morning, North Shore. It's good to be here. Glad you are here to join us. Now, I hope that the forecast is true. I'm recording this midweek, and Sunday's forecast is for it to be 90 degrees in the Pacific Northwest. So I pray that you're going to watch this message, and you're going to go out with your family and your friends, social distance, and enjoy this amazing summer. (laughs) Our summer series, Straight from the Heart, honest conversations with God. God spoke to me this spring, and he he told me that uh, his people, us, are going to need to have have honest conversations with him. And boy, uh, he wasn't kidding. As this summer has unfolded, we need to have honest conversations with God. And I'm hoping that this series really is inspiring you toward that. You know, we looked at uh, Psalm 22 to start off with. We looked at having hard questions of God, asking God hard questions. And then we looked at the, the great Psalm 23, and we looked at the good shepherd and the hope that we have in him. And then Psalm 51, a conversation about repentance. Josh and Damien came and they sat with me and we talked about repentance and what this psalm taught us. And there's still amazing work being done. People are coming Call us. I just got a call last night that that sermon impacted somebody, and they want to start a group. So God is working as people have honest conversations with him. Mark took us to Psalm 62, and he, he, he brought us to this place of waiting on the Lord. And he told us and encouraged us to take one minute just to be still before God. I hope you're doing that. I've been doing that, and it's just encouraging. Allow things to sink deep. And the last week, Sanjay came with Psalm 63, and he talked about our soul thirsting after God. And he encouraged us to take time to contemplate. A little like Mark, but this idea that would sit with his word and really think about it, and that we would go after him with our whole soul. Uh, it was good to see Sanjay back, wasn't it? Well, today... I get to teach on Psalm 109. So you turn to Psalm 109 and let me pray. Father God, we love you. And as we step into our sermon this morning, I do pray that you would speak to our hearts. Father, we never want to come to your word lightly. We want to offer our whole self to you and ask that you would do a good work and transform us through the power of your word. So we give ourselves to you now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, Psalm 109. It's the challenging psalm. It's challenging. Now, it's challenging first because it has a reputation, a reputation of being the worst psalm or the worst chapter in the entire Bible. Now, I got to preach on Psalm 23, which its reputation is the best chapter in the Bible. Now, all chapters are good, but why does this one have this reputation? It's because it falls into a class of psalms called imprecatory psalms. Imprecatory means this. It's a call down of curse or destruction on your enemy. It's a call down of curse from God uh, onto your enemies, a destruction of them. And Psalm 109 has the highest concentration of this call down of curse. 
So it creates a challenge for us. As we look at this psalms, and we read these imprecatory psalms, they're disturbing to us. In verse 9, it says this, May his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. Talking about his accuser. Ouch, that, that's tough. Similar to that in Psalm 58, David writes, he asked God, knock out their teeth. That is hard to read. I mean, it just makes you cringe when you read that. You're thinking, what? I don't even get this. What do I do with this? It's disturbing for us. It's why it's so challenging. So it begs two questions of us. First is, is this just the violent Old Testament? Is this just a violent Old Testament thing? Well, the answer, Jesus himself really answers that when he quotes some of these Psalms in John 15. See, the New Testament does not apologize for this harsh language that these imprecatory Psalms have. So we have to accept them as part of our inspired word of God. So they're there for us. Paul himself quotes imprecatory psalms. Paul actually uses similar language when he pronounces a curse on false teachers in Galatians 1 and 1 Corinthians 16. And Luke actually quotes this psalm, Psalm 109, verse 20, in reference to Judah, Judas, the betrayer of Jesus. So we see they are part of our scriptures, so we have to understand them. But another challenge, another question that comes up when we look at these is don't these violate the teachings of Jesus? When we see calling curse down, doesn't it violate what Jesus taught us? Listen to Matthew 5, verse 38. You have heard that it was said, and this is Jesus talking, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Turn the other cheek. Jesus is teaching. Calling down curse doesn't seem to be turning the other cheek. Matthew 5, verse 43. Jesus talking in the Sermon on the Mount. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. See, what we're going to see as we look at Psalm 109 and what David does with this is we're going to see that this psalm actually reinforces the teachings of Jesus. So how are we to look at this psalm? You know, a little clarity. First of all, we look at these imprecatory psalms. We have to understand what we're seeing, what we're reading is honest talk, real conversations, what we've been calling you into with your relationship with the Lord. Conversations that say this, God, this is what I'm really thinking. This is what I'm really thinking. So it's honest talk with God. Also, they are zoomed in. They're during a very, very difficult time in David's life. Because David is at the end of his rope. He's at a low point in his life, and he pens this psalm. So this is a, a zeroed in, a snapshot 
of what he is feeling in this end of his rope moment. It's not the whole picture of what David thinks and feels and what his heart is saying. It's what it is saying with this end of his rope emotion. And he's in a lot of pain, a lot of pain. And so he has a lot of exaggerated language, hyperbole, emphatic words. So we see this, we understand much like us, when we are just having a tough day, our words change. And that's what we see as we read this. We have some difficult, challenging words. Also understand what we're seeing is a song. David writes a song. And so you see a lot of creative expression. So again, big words to really grab the emotion of what he's feeling. If this song were a genre of music, it would be heavy metal. I think David grabs the harp. He puts it up on the stand. I think he grabs his electric guitar, straps it on. He turns up the distortion hardcore, and he just cranks it. And he gives one of those angry, heavy metal, just, ah. That's what we're seeing in this psalm. Uh, it is a loaded psalm with emotion. And it's also a hope for justice. It's a call to rescue the powerless from the powerful. David is crying out to God to make things right. He wants God's ways to prevail, to defeat the enemies of God. He wants to restore God's way. And he wants to call out against the drift that's happening. And he does it in very hard, expressive tones. See, these psalms, these imprecatory psalms, are not you know, personal vendettas or personal vengeance. You know, not a little trivial, I'm having a hard time with my friend, so I'm going to, you know, pen this song that just calls down curse. I mean, no, it's far greater. He wants to restore God's principles. So when we come across these imprecatory psalms, as we look at Psalm 109, we have to understand that it's a gift. It's a gift to us. It's a gift of permission to speak freely. It's a gift of permission to speak freely. There is a lot of pain in our world, so we need a space. The gift of saying, yes, look at David himself, a man after God's own heart, spoke freely to God, and we need that permission too. Because right now, whew, I know you're hurting. I'm hurting. I know you're confused. I'm confused. And we need permission to speak freely. So let's look at Psalm 109 and, and, and watch as David speaks freely. And what can we learn from this? So we're going to look at the plea at the end of his rope, Psalm 109. And David starts with that, a plea. Verse 1 says, Be not silent, O God of my praise. David starts by crying out to God. He cries out to the one that he worships, O God of my praise, the one who he believes can make a difference in this difficult situation. And he, he believes that because God has created all things, and so all things are at his hand. So he cries out to him. I'm reminded of Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2, where David pens, Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. 
David calls out to him. He pleads to him. And he calls out this, is I need you now. I need you now. Be not silent. This strong man that is David, this warrior that is David, cries out and says, I need help now. As I was thinking about this point, preparing, I thought of kind of a, a funny illustration of a strong man needing help. And early in my ministry, a young man uh, uh, was a big, big man, 6'5", over 300 pounds, got a full-ride college scholarship to a Division I school to play football as an offensive lineman. Well, he went off to training camp, and you know, he was one that I discipled uh, in his high school days. Well, I called him up one night to check in on him, and he starts talking to me and telling me about how difficult it was and how hard it was. And then I noticed his voice begin to shake a little bit. I said, Glenn, are you okay? <laughs> he starts crying. I'm this big, big man. And he says this to me. I miss my mom. <laughs> and I just like, man, he is, he is going through one of the hardest things he's ever gone through in starting Division I college football as a young freshman. Where he says, I'm in need. I need help right now. <laughs> he says, I need my mom. Well, a lot of strong people have come up to me recently and said, Scott, what's going on in our world? I need God. We need God. In, in, in their desperation, they're saying, I need God. I think that's true of a lot of you listening to me right now. You're looking around and say, boy, I need God. We need God. And that's what David is doing here with this plea. Let's find out why. Why is David in this spot where he has to plea to God? Verses 2 and 3. You know, and this is, this is his problem. He says, For wicked and deceitful mouths are opened against me, speaking against me with lying tongues. They encircle me with words of hate and attack me without cause. So David has, is being attacked by people through words. They are slandering him with horrible lies. They use hateful words and fight against him for no reason. You know, David is experiencing the lie we all learned on the playground. Remember that little jingle we would sing? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Does that prove true in your life? Nope. It was a lie. David's saying, wow, these words, this attack, they are crushing me. Even in verse 4 or 5, look what he does. He says, in return for my love, they accuse me. But I give myself to prayer. So they reward me evil for good and hatred for my love. So he tries to push back with love and kindness. But it crushes him. These words do hurt him. Verses 22 and 25, listen to the state, the condition that David is in. I am broken. He says, I'm so broken, needy and hurting. My heart is pierced through and I am so wounded. I'm slipping down a dark slope, shaken to the core and helpless. 
All my fasting has left me so weak I can hardly stand. Now I'm shriveled up, nothing but skin and bones. I'm the example of failure and shame to all who see me. They just walk by me shaking their head. David is crushed and he's broken. He's being mocked. He's a laughing stock of his community. He is at the end of his rope. He cannot take any more. That is so true of what I hear now. We are weary. We are broken. We are at the end of our rope. I read an article in the Washington Post just a couple days ago, and they're beginning to start coining a phrase called coronavirus fatigue, and they're not talking about the direct effects of having the virus. They're talking about the indirect effects of all that the virus is doing to us as individuals as it sets in this world. People are tired. They're struggling with mild depressions. Uh, Anger is building up. Stress is overtaking people. Relationships are being strained. And there's even worse symptoms that are happening. So we as a people are weary. We are in this tough time. And we are at the end of our ropes. So I want to ask you right now, how are you doing? Do a little check. How are you? David's at the end of his rope. He's struggling. Are you struggling? Are you at the end of your rope? So it's in that place that David prays this prayer that is gut-wrenching and hard to hear. Verse 20 He says, may this be the reward of my accusers from the Lord, of those who speak evil against my life. So he makes a request of God. And we don't know who he's making this request about. They're unnamed. We don't know what situation he's talking about. David has had a lot of enemies inside his kingdom, even outside of his kingdom. So we don't know, but this is his request. He says in verse 6 and 7, give him a taste of his own medicine. Give him a taste of his own medicine. Let someone come against him like he's coming against me. Verses 8 and 9, I read it earlier. He says, take his life. (laughs) That is hard for me to read, just so you know. Because I'm sharing God's word with you and to say, okay, this is what is a prayer request from David. It's, It's challenging. Verse 10 and 12, he says, May his family wander without support. A harshness toward his whole entire family. Verses 13 and 15, he says, Wipe their legacy off the face of the earth. Remove any influence that they have. Wipe it clean. Back to verse 20, he just basically says this, Lord, punish them. May this be their reward. I hope for you that that was hard to hear. It is hard for me to sit here and say that to you. As I look at the Scriptures, as a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, it is hard for me to read those words to you. But I want you to reflect for a second. Is this unheard of in our Christian community? As Jesus followers, 
Do we pray like this? Think of this, a little example. Adolf Hitler. When you think of him, what words come to mind? Where does your heart go? What would your prayer be? If you were alive during that time, what would you have prayed? Might they sound a lot like David's prayer? Most of you are alive during this time. Osama bin Laden, 9-11. What was your heart language? What was your prayer? When he was killed, what did you feel? Was it a lot like what David was feeling and praying? Politically, the politician's approach to this virus. What's your talk? What language do you use? What do you feel? Church being limited. What are your prayers like? Again, do they sound a lot like David's? Laid off. Your job ends. Don't our language, our prayer start sounding a lot like David. So maybe this isn't unheard of. Oftentimes, even in our own personal journeys, struggles and relationships and tensions with people, what happens is we get to the end of our rope and our language becomes harsh. So maybe this isn't so foreign as we look at this. So what David does with us, with this psalm, I love this. David doesn't have this prayer, these call down of a curse, as self-contained. It's not the end of his psalm. He lands this in a place, a place of, of security, a place that he can trust, and that place is God. So as he's at the end of his rope, he lands on something called the stop knot. Here's what a stop knot is, okay? If you're a climber, if you've ever been in gym class, at the end of a climb rope, they tie a knot, and they call it the stop knot. And so nothing or no one could slip past it. If you're in gym class, and I don't even know if they still do that, but when I was in gym class, they had a rope at the top of the gym going down, and at the bottom of that rope hanging was a big old knot. We'd get up on stools and get on that rope, and we'd climb all the way up to that ceiling. Every once in a while, a, a, a young person would lose a grip, and they'd slide down that rope, and they would be stopped by the stop knot. And they could get traction at that stop knot, which is God. It's by faith that David knows that that stop knot is there. And what we see, well, I'm going to read the scripture of where he lands. Listen to him, verses 30 and 31. And this becomes our response. This is by faith standing in that stop knot. Listen to David describe it. With my mouth, I will give great thanks to the Lord. And remember, this is him at the end of his rope. With my mouth, I will give great thanks to the Lord. I will praise him in the midst of the throng. That means all the people. For he stands at the right hand of the needy one to save him from those who condemn his soul to death. And so what I've done, as I, I, I put together a little acrostic for you called stop. To stop where God has us to stop. 
and so that we might learn how we are to respond. Because in this text, all through it, Psalm 109, this imprecatory psalm, the call down of curse, what you're going to see is you're going to see and reinforced the teachings of Jesus. They affirm them. You see, all that Jesus has us to be is found in what David is doing in this psalm. So it's not just contained into this ugly, harsh language. So S is to seek God first. Verse 1, he sought God first. Be not silent, O God of my praise. Right out of the gate. He did what we were called to do in Matthew 6. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all of this will be added to you. He will take care of, of everything. See, what we need to do is we need to seek God first. We need to seek God early. Oftentimes, we get to the end of our rope. What we do is we let our emotions lead the way and dictate how we're going to walk through something. The language we're going to use versus let faith do it. Faith that God will take care of everything. So we have to seek God first and let our faith shape our response. The T, talk to God. In verse 4, he says this, In return for my love, they accuse me. Listen to this. But I give myself to prayer. David, at the end of his rope, is in prayer. So we need to talk to God because prayer is powerful. It teaches our hearts and guides our hearts to align with God's heart. Also, prayer becomes the safe place, the right place to talk honestly to God. That's what David's doing here. That's where he leads in worship with this psalm, is to have believers go to God with this talk. See, God wants you to give him your ugly, your real words, the tough words, what you're really feeling. He can handle it. So we need to take our real words out of the public square, off of social media, and bring them back where God wants them to be, and that is in prayer with him. Permission to speak freely to God. Because it is not helpful to people when we take it outside of the context of prayer and we splatter it everywhere. We do great kingdom damage when we do that. So when you're at the end of the rope, you talk to God and you give him those ugly words, because he can take it, and he'll align your heart. Also, prayer, as we talk to God, prayer is a powerful gift that we have. James 5, 16 says prayer is powerful, and it changes things. Luke 18, God says, hey, if you want justice, God will bring justice for those who cry out to him. He will change things. So our prayer is an opportunity to take it to somebody who can actually change things. And lastly, prayer is the place of our great calling. Matthew 5, 44, I read it earlier. Love our enemies and pray for those that persecute you. That is the radical call to love that Jesus has, is to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute so even greater than your enemies, those who are coming against you, pray for them. Because God can take that and do a wonderful thing in you 
and then through you. So it leads to the O, and that is offer love. Offer love and goodness. Verse 5, he loved his enemies and did, did good while at the end of his rope. As they were coming against him, he says, I love them and I did good. 1 Peter 2.12 says this. Love and goodness actually draws people to God, our enemies to God. So when we, amongst our enemies, amongst those that are persecuted, amongst those that have brought us to the end of our rope, if we will love and do good, it will draw them to glorify God, it says. Wow. So your conduct, your expression is critical in kingdom work right here. So we need to offer love and goodness. Let your light shine. Let your, your shine when it's dark, when it's as bleak as it gets, let your light shine. The P and the stop. Just pass it to God. All you sports enthusiasts, think of that. Just, you're going to pass this ball to the good shooter, right? In my basketball days, I needed to, you know, get way more assist than I did shot attempt because I needed to pass it to the shooter. Well, we need to pass it to God because he says in Romans 12, 19, that vengeance is mine. He'll make it right. God, listen, God has his own back. We do not need to seek vengeance. And David did not do that. You read all through this challenging psalm, and David never says, hey, send me after him. Hey, God, can I get your permission to do this or do that? No, he says, God, you go do these things. You do these things. I believe that you can do these things. And then also what he does, he doesn't go to get ahead of God. Nor does he put the rush on God. He trusts God's timing. This is his heart's cry. But he trusts that God's timing is perfect. It's perfect uh, in its purpose. And it's perfect of its timing, of when it takes place. So we have to trust. When we're at the end of our rope, we look around us. Guess what? God sees this too. And his purposes are good. Why are we going through this season? We, that's a whole other sermon, probably sermon series. But I know this, that God sees it. God knows it. God has good purpose. And I want to come to know him. I want to get everything he has for me in this season. So we need the fullness of time of this season to happen. Yes, we can pray against it. Yes, we can hope it ends. Because I want it to end. Because I'm tired. I'm weary. This is tough. I know you are tired. And I know you are weary. But God is good. And his timing is perfect. So we want to pass it to God. So we're going to take David's example right now. And as we wind down looking at Psalm 109 and this end of the rope experience that David lands on this stop knot that is God and by faith he holds there and trusts God. He gives him his ugly. The words that are tough for us to read. But then he comes to a place of faith and says I trust you. I'm going to give you thanks everywhere. So Josh and his team, they're going to take us to a place where we can talk to God honestly.
I love you, North Shore. And God's going to see us through this. God bless you.